This is Pod Forsaken. Ooh la la, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pod Forsaken. <gasps> no, is that terrible? <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, everyone, this is Pod Forsaken. I'm Rodney Altman. I'm Missy Levin. I'm Chris Sachs. Welcome to another episode of Fresh Meat, where we talk about a movie that is currently in theaters. And that's right, that movie is The Turning. It, it is, unfortunately. Yes, The Turning. <laughs> Wait, unfortunately. <laughs> but we're not just talking about The Turning. We're, we're going to pair it with a other film from 1961 called The Innocence, both based on William Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew. And let me tell you, yeah. these movies had nothing to do with the book. They were very different. Have I you read, read the, the book? I read the entire text. Oh, it's a short story, right? No, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a full book. A play. Okay. Yeah. And um, and it's weird. The the play is all about this this like guy trying to marry off his older daughter who no one wants. Really? So that his younger daughter can, you know, find a suitor. But like the movies are about like haunted houses and shit. It was really I can't confusing. believe you're making a joke right now. I am <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the taming of the shrew. <laughs> I'm making a joke. It's yeah. based <laughs> the taming of the shrew is William Shakespeare. These movies oh. are burst on based burst on burst on <laughs> they burst on. They're based on the turn of the screw. Yes, by Henry James. Henry J- yeah. And I was hoping one of you would correct me, but I was waiting no, for I was Chris just to gonna, jump in. No, you, you're just, just letting let, you. Just now that you said it, I realized <laughs> that. But everyone knows I don't read books, so it doesn't. But yeah, I did. You read, only read plays. <laughs> I do. I've read the entire Shakespeare catalog, and this was nothing like either of these movies. Mm. <laughs> so which version do you guys like? better <laughs> uh oh the innocence by yeah, yeah. yes that's correct that's correct <laughs> um here's what i want to say i think we're going to just be this is gonna be a spoiler heavy episode so let's just talk about let's start with the turning and just chat about it briefly uh before we spoil anything but to be clear did anyone like the turning hell no i hated it no i okay. was I've never felt like a movie was like such a waste of time. I'm, I'm with you, Mizzy. In, in fact, honestly, there's no reason anybody should go see this movie. It's not a movie. It's technically a movie. Parts of it are a movie, but I don't think it adds up to a movie. Okay. Somehow the, the <laughs> sum of the parts is less than the whole with yeah. this one. <laughs> All right, let me back up. So I tried to make that joke and I might have confused people. But yeah, it really is based on Henry James's story, the Turn of the Screw, which is from the late 1800s. Interestingly, it was published as like a series of one page like chapters in a like a ongoing newspaper or whatever, yeah. kind of like the way the Green Mile was published. It's obviously free online. You can find it if you want to read it. And both of these movies are adaptations of the Turn of the Screw. Mm-hmm. And in their general plot, they are they're very accurate. They both they're, they're all the story of a a woman who is hired to be the governess at a creepy big mansion like out in the middle of nowhere to look over these two children who live there because their parents died and she's like sort of their new caretaker mm-hmm. and, and teacher and teacher caretaker i mean that's what a governess is right i don't know okay. yeah I, yeah it's unclear which is important in the turning because it's unclear <laughs> what her job is <laughs> but back in 1898 she's sort of like their caretaker and teacher they also have like maids and shit and then they start to real she starts to believe this house might be haunted right and something's Correct. wrong with the kids that's the plot in every version mm-hmm. so now let's talk about The Turning, starring Mackenzie Davis. Correct. Who most recently was in the super successful Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I got to tell you something. I believed her more as like a time traveling <laughs> synthetic human killer than I did as the nanny in this movie. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think she did an okay job. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah. I actually don't think she's the problem with this movie. No. I think that it's like the editing and the directing and everything around her. Like, she's fine. 
So there were three editors on this movie, oh. which is that always a sign of sense. a problem. Yeah. It was edited to an inch of its life. Yeah. Uh, so the the head role editor, which means he probably was hired first, was Glenn Garland. He's a great guy. He does all of Rob Zombie's movies. Then in the, the end credits, there's two more editors listed. Uh, one name I didn't recognize, but I assume he's big. But the other guy is Dwayne Dunham. Dwayne is a Hollywood legend. So he was probably brought in as a ringer. Oh. He edited at Jedi and Dwayne Dunham did. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, it, he taught at USC. So Well, he couldn't have been too good because they had to go back and change out some of his edits and put Hayden Christensen in that movie. That's so. true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I read somewhere on the internet that the turning went into production in 2016, but uh-huh. I think that according to Wikipedia, that's actually a lie. This movie, oh. this movie started filming in early 2018. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, the, ki- the kids are older. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I actually think that like the acting really wasn't the problem. I thought both the kids were fine. Like Finn, Finn Wolf or Finn Hart, or Finn Brook. What is his name? Let's look it up. <laughs> Finn Finbrook. <laughs> Finn. <laughs> like hard Finbrook. He's sold that role of being like this creepy like you know sexual predator in training guy like i didn't think and i thought the little girl was good too like i mean i did not think the acting was the problem with this i think everything else was the problem well mackenzie da- is it davies or davis Sorry. davis davis mackenzie davis which she's fucking great in halt and catch fire she's so good in halt and catch fire and i, I like I the way that the they no, movie nobody's or the tv show nobody it's seen. a good show yeah oh, and oh, i like the way they like her like whoever was dressing her for this i loved her outfits like she looked really cool in this i think i mean look she's okay I still liked her way better in Terminator Dark Fate. I just did. I thought she was overacting in this, but it could be just an example of the the mediocre to bad writing. Yeah. I thought Finn Wolfhard is really bad. Oh, I, there, I... Were, there were little moments. There certainly were lines he delivered, and I was like, oh, yeah. But overall, I just felt like I didn't believe I he was- they did what they could with the material. I mean, obviously, we all experienced that differently. Yeah. I have never been- a giant Finn Wolfhard fan. I'm just, I'm just not on this train. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I like Stranger Things, yeah. but it's not because I like. Is it Mike? Mikey he plays or whatever. Uh, it's not because I like the main characters. Because yeah. I like everyone else, right? Yeah, yeah. It like yeah he 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 does. No, ri- he's not the best part of any of those things. He's just like an ensemble cast yeah. member. I will say the little girl who plays his younger sister in the turning. Mm-hmm. She's Prince. she's maybe the best part. She, she I thought she was she was cute for like a young girl. Yeah, uh, yeah. I was yeah. impressed. Okay, so backing up the turning right. Turns out this is a period piece. Mm-hmm. This takes place in what, 1991? Early 90s? 1994, I think it is. It, when, whenever, it was like where Kurt, Kurt Cobain right. had yeah. died. Kurt, it o- seemed random. Like they just picked Well, a I think it was a way to get cell phones out of the picture. Oh, okay. He, yeah, I guess. It just felt like unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. like if you're going to do the turn of the screw, why not just set it? in 1898 they thought they were being like revolutionary but there's nothing that with the exception of yes there's no internet and there's no cell phones i think because the way they dressed you could easily that seemed a big part of it this is a music she's a music director that i kept thinking that the whole time i was yeah i was trying to remove myself from what i know of the director right yeah but she direct she's directed a lot of music videos her name is is it floria Floria sigismundi correct floria sigismundi thank you chris and um that's what i'm here for And I just kept thinking how in every scene it felt like she's trying to jam in her love of like music. Like, yeah, there's always like Mm -hmm. obscure rock songs playing in the background. People are always playing on drums or playing on the guitar. And I'm like, I don't know this woman at all, but it kind of feels like she's not really a horror fan. That's what it felt like to me as well. Yeah. It felt like she got hired to do a horror movie. Just like, oh, this location is really cool looking and I could do a few pretty shots. And like, it it was a cool location, but that was all there was 
to it. I knew we were in trouble. The movie starts with uh, Miss Jessel, the previous mm-hmm. governess, essentially, running away and getting caught by someone. Yeah. And as that scene played out like two minutes into the movie, I said, oh, no. <laughs> Chris, I had the exact same moment. I didn't know yet. The movie's... I was giving it the benefit of the doubt still. Like the minute she comes, she, the movie just opens. This chick's like running out of this big mansion. She gets in her car. I'm like, OK, this is standard horror opening, right? She's running from something. Then she like drives to the gate and can't get out. And then, yeah, she gets caught by something. And the way that moment is shot, I was like, I don't even understand what just happened there. And not in a good way. Not like <laughs> not like in the way It Follows begins. We were like, what happened? It's just like, well, that was vague. And I like I literally didn't know if she was getting captured by a ghost or a human human being. And to this moment, as I sit here, I'm not sure what happened. You know what? You're completely right. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is not a good sign, but you know, let's, let's see what happens. So Mackenzie Davis, we meet her and she's like, like she, she lives with a roommate. Mm-hmm. Now, it's unclear what she's her. A, she's a teacher, is but she? she's never had yes. a live-in teaching yeah. job before. Okay. So, so said, she gets contact. Her school puts the, her up for this position and she, it's, this would be her first live-in teaching job. Okay. And so like, she's like, I'm going to take it. Right. But first we have, she's like, I'm going to go say goodbye to my mom. And so she goes to this, like, is it a, is it like a, it's like a care home? It's like a long-term insane asylum. Yeah. Like care home. It's an elderly home for insane people. Right. And so even there's little, there's little moments that that like might even go past some people that just started warning me that we're in for a bad time. Mm-hmm. She goes to see her mom and she like basically her mom is in it's like a an indoor pool. Yeah, it's but drained. The, the pool has been drained. Yeah. And as she like walks from what would be the locker room into the, the pool area, there's a sign on the door that says like no outdoor shoes allowed beyond this point. But I was sitting there and I was like, wait a minute, that sign would be, that should be on the inside of the door, right? Like you can't wear your in your yeah. outside shoes into the pool. But clearly the director or set dresser was like, but we want to be able to read it. So mm-hmm. let's put it there. And I was like, this is gonna be one of those movies where it's frustratingly like not paying attention to important details. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why is her mom like they allowed to- a long to, time on that sign. Oh, I know. And so her mom like sits in an empty pool, like painting shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm not sure why we need to meet her mom, but I assume this will be important later. Well, so mental illness runs in the family. So just to back up, like the turn of the screw is like one of those gothic horror things where it's like the governess shows up and the house is haunted and she realizes it's haunted and she sends the little girl away and then the ghost shows up and the boy dies. And you're like, ooh, so scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I And I guess, you know, it's like playing off of 19th century, like mediums, like all the spiritualism yeah. was very big then. So I, I think to me, this movie that I, I, so when they showed the mom, I started to get a sense of like, oh, they're giving her more of a backstory, the yeah. governess character. Maybe they're trying to do like say something a little different. Well, in the original, a, a lot of the movie is, is this in her head or is it not? Is right. she going crazy or is this really happening? So I think they're like trying to plant the seed in this that mental illness runs in her family to let you know that like, oh, this might be a possibility that this whole, everything is going to be in her head. Right. And that, and I think that that's effective as an idea. Yes. But this was so shoehorned in. Right. (laughs) It was just like hitting you over the head with it, but also saying nothing. So like, I agree. I loved the setting of the mom painting in the pool. Sure. 
I, I thought it was a cool location, but the moment to moment and like actual physical and emotional interactions between people was either completely confounding or like like the so the, so the scene ends where the, the Mackenzie Davis goes in to see her mom and her mom's painting something and she's trying to say to her mom who's you know so far gone from insanity that she like can't even really connect with her daughter and so Mackenzie Davis is trying to say like I'm gonna go away for a long time and I'm, I want you to know him. and she the mother gives her a portrait and goes take this it'll keep you warm and I'm like is this a laugh line is this what is what is the movie trying to tell me and I don't know if the movie knows what it's trying no, to it do di- it didn't not in this scene at least I took it just to be like she's you know her mom's kind of lost her mind she's like here take this painting mm-hmm. and she's I don't know. Like you're right. I, I, I don't. I wasn't. I just thought it was like crazy talk, you know. Right. But it's like if this was like a really emotionally impactful scene where we're like, oh damn, I really want Mackenzie Davis's character to connect with her mom, and then oh, there's like a reversal, and you laugh at this line. But like there wasn't. I don't know. Like that's what I'm saying is it feels like the movie had a whole bunch of like visual inspiration that wasn't really fully affected because a lot of the visuals are very bad. And then in terms of like what the inter scene construction is, it, it's very confusing and kind of stupid. Yeah. Here's a, let me say this for about the first half. You know, like I've gotten to this point where I'm watching movies now. I'm thinking, what am I going to say on the podcast? Right. Yeah. And for about the first half, I was going to say this is the world's most average horror film. Like <laughs> this is I could show this to anybody and say, when I mean average, this is this movie. It is not doing anything good. Yeah. But it's not really doing anything bad either like it's just hey there's some spooky shit i thought the first 30 to 40 minutes had some good tense moments sure there were moments yeah absolutely but it was also a lot of like jump cut to something big you know music sting and something moves abruptly or waking up from a dream several waking up from a dream i will say when we did this as a trailer of the week i predicted that the part where the crawling hand attacks her would be a dream and i was surprised that that part wasn't a dream but it was really stupid however it made no sense there's there is no explanation whatsoever for why there's a crawling hand it happened just that one time and you never see it again but uh there are several other moments where yes like a thing happens and she wakes up in bed from a dream and it's like oh my god like this is so lame right yeah but it's after that around 40 minutes to an hour the movie starts to spiral into such fucking nonsense that's the best word for it and it eventually gets to the maybe the worst ending i've seen in truly 20 years Uh, like ghost stories anybody i like ghost stories so much better (laughs) i have it was a good movie up until the ending Mm. this was and while the ending of Ghost Stories is maybe stupid, it at it's least an makes ending. sense. It is a ending. This wasn't the ending to a movie. This you can't movie end a movie like that. When it ended, the credits started rolling, and literally everyone sat in silence and was unsure if they were supposed to leave. No, we my entire yeah my entire theater stayed until all the credits stopped because we thought there might be like an after credit sequence, and everyone was like, "Huh? What?" Yeah. I turned, one one no. guy in front of me shot up and said, what the fuck? And stormed out. <laughs> yep. I, I literally, no joke. I turned to the woman next to me and I said, was I supposed to have read the turn of the screw to understand this movie? Because I don't understand what I just saw. And we're going to definitely ruin the fuck out of this ending. But oh, again, yeah. you, you are, you are making such a terrible choice. If you go see this movie, don't go see this movie. If, if you just need to see like a, a haunted house movie in a theater, go see the grudge. It's bad, but at least it's rated R. And like, yeah. it's definitely better than the turning like it is. And the grudge is bad. Yeah. We have done you a massive favor here, like yeah. a massive favor. Take take our word and don't see it. Yeah, I, this is the only movie I've ever seen that when reviews first came out, 
So whenever reviews don't come out until after midweek, you know you're in for a dog because they're burying them. The reviews came out, I think, Friday morning, and it had like a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I said, oh, that's that's not great, but that's about what The Grudge had. And then by Saturday night, they had a 13%. Right now, I think it has a 12%. Yeah, I think it's a 12 critic and 12 audience. Yeah. Yeah. For audience score to be that low, that is, that's a new low. You know, there's, the, the thing is, is like, there's all these moments that just don't make sense, right? Like, just as an example, one of the first things that rubbed me the wrong way is she shows up at the house and the first person she meets is like this old maid who's like, she lives there and she handles all the non-teaching stuff. She like, you know, she's a maid. Mm -hmm. She cooks the meals and blah, blah, blah. And she treats her, like the maid treats uh, Mackenzie Davis with such fucking hostility. And I'm like, I don't understand. Who hired you, right? Like, why, Like, it's unclear who hired Mackenzie to do this job. Yeah, that's right. a good point, actually. The kids are orphans and there's yeah. only the maid. There's in only the, the maid. In a sense, it's the kid's uncle that hires the governess, but the uncle isn't a character right. in and, the turning. And also in the turn of the screw. She's hired by the uncle. And basically okay. the uncle is like, look, I'm wealthy. My Either my, bro- my brother or sister died and I've basically inherited their kids but i don't want them and i have like multiple houses so like i'm hiring you to take care of these kids that i don't want and that makes total sense but in this version of the movie she's just talking to room and she's like i got hired to take care of kids and it's exciting and then she gets there and like like i i don't know how this world works but like do you really just agree to like be a live-in permanent governess for children when you've never met them you've never seen the property you know what i mean like she doesn't even know that's going to be like a big mansion she, she gets has, there and is shocked i know and i'm like how, how do you not know anything about these kids like like if if you said rodney i've got a job for you and it involves moving to connecticut and living in this house and taking <laughs> care of kids i'd be like well give me the fucking phone number because <laughs> i want to talk to some people first right <laughs> and but they, they also don't do a good job of making it seem like she's so desperate for money mm-hmm. that she needs this it's well okay the reason is because her mom was in a mental institution like her whole childhood so she's like i know what it's like to grow up without parents and i want to help this girl that has no parents yeah that's the backstory they give for her okay for wanting to do this but but there's also a reason that like every schlocky 80s movie starts with a character getting an eviction notice that like you're like oh they're in money trouble they're on the end of their rope (laughs) they're going to do whatever they do to get out of this situation i I get the emotional journey of like, I felt abandoned. But the problem with the the biggest problem with the movie is that uh, Mackenzie Davis's roommate slash confidant that she calls three times after she gets there yep. is never clued in to what's going on except for one conversation that gets interrupted. And so there's actually no externalization of Mackenzie Davis's experience. Mm-hmm. So we have no fucking clue what's going on for her other than what we can infer. But we also don't know what's real because every other yeah. fucking sequence is a dream sequence. Right. right. All so- you see her is her just looking increasingly more tired as yeah. the movie goes on and like sitting there wanting to have some more coffee but that's the only <laughs> thing you see I externally mean, basically the whole first 40 minutes to 60 minutes is like she sees a creepy thing doesn't she, she doesn't like she she's creeped out and then like goes into another room and doesn't say anything to anyone about what she saw yeah and, and then, then it's a nighttime it's never daytime it's always nighttime well it's sometimes daytime but it's really gray and cloudy like yeah. i don't even know I feel like it's just almost bedtime all the time 
<laughs> I mean, there definitely are scenes during the day, but like there's one scene, right, where she, at one point she considers leaving. She like leaves the house and drives to like the local town, which is like this quaint fisherman village. Like I, I'm sure they said what state we're in or I what, it, I, I have no I clue. Think. I don't think, I had no clue where we were in this movie. And she like, that's when she calls her, I, I really feel like the director was like, wouldn't it be cool to have a phone booth in the movie? <laughs> and they're like, but phone booths don't exist anymore. She's like, movie takes place in 1994, folks. <laughs> so she calls her roommate and the, the scene literally goes like this. Hey roommate, I don't know this this new job. Uh, it's it's not really working out. I'm 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 pretty stressed and and I'm kind of worried. So and you should quit. You should quit and come home. And then she literally goes, Yeah, but I pinky swore with the little girl that I <laughs> I'd be there forever. So actually, never mind. Anyway, yeah. good talking to you. And then she and I'm like, Are you kidding me? That's 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 your like attempt at like I should give up. This chick is seeing like ghosts like in mirrors. Things are moving. Like it's like it's not a case of, hey, did you hear that? You know, I thought I heard something last night. Oh, you're imagining it. There are like 30 minutes in this movie, she is seeing shit that would drive any From night one. From, from night, night one. one. <laughs> like time to fucking leave, right? Not to mention the fact that like the maid treats her like a piece of shit. The and the twelve year old boy is like telling her how sexy she is and trying to kiss her. All the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's Finn Wolfhard. You know, this is what happens in the in the original novella as well. That like basically yeah. he's away at like boarding school. So she thinks she's kind of just coming to take care of the daughter or the sister, however you want to look at it, the sister. And um, and then like they in this version of the movie, she gets a phone call from the boarding school and they're like, we've just expelled Finn Wolfhard. Expect him back tomorrow. And then she finds out why. It's because he was like choking some kid in the bathroom. Yeah. And he's being violent. So, you know, there's sort of this question of what's wrong with the kid and like this when we talk about the innocence this makes more sense but in this version of of the story it's just sort of like why are these kids being assholes the little girl is like she's because they're they're overly privileged rich kids and they fucking suck the uh cook lady calls them thoroughbreds many times that's like a line they keep using yep but there is a crucial we'll get into this but there's a crucial thing in the story and in the innocence that is left out, right? Yes. So look, I'm just, I think at this point, I'm yeah. just going to talk spoiler shit, right? I think so. Yeah. So don't see this movie. Oh yeah. Just listen to our podcast. Yeah. Just stay here. You're already having fun. Just <laughs> stay with us for the, you're going to, when we get to the innocence, you're going to learn some cool shit about an old movie too. <laughs> but in this movie, like going back to the opening scene, right? You see the woman trying to leave mm-hmm. and she gets trapped at the gate with her car. She's trying to open the gate. And as she runs back to her car, you see in the reflection of her window, the, the image of this, like, I don't know. He kind of looks like uh, Harry Potter's uncle, you know, um, like Harry like long, Potter's curly uncle. black hair. That's Sirius all... Black? Sir... He looks like Sirius yeah. Black. Okay. His uncle, but yeah, Godfather. That's his... Oh, God... Godfather. Godfather. Right? Sorry. Yeah. More like Goofy Gray. Who's Goofy Gray? Not Sirius Black. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that should not have been as funny to either of us yeah. as it was. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Goofy Gray shows up. And I was like, wait, is that a ghost is that dude in her front seat or is he just standing behind her? Like it was just- You I could w- not tell. Had no clue who that was and it just cuts away. But what you come to understand is that dude used to be like the riding instructor mm-hmm. for the children and then he fell off his horse and died. And he also was having some kind of sexual relationship with Miss Jezebel, is Miss Jessel. Jessel. The woman that we see die. The previous governess. And so these two dead people are the ghosts that are haunting the house, right? Yes. Now, what you get from both the novella and the 1961 film is that these ghosts are starting to possess the children. Mm -hmm. And that's why the kids are like always holding hands and have this creepy chemistry between them and why the boy is so vicious and sexual because he is being taken over by this vicious sexual man. But none of that is discussed in this movie. There is nothing about- They never get to it. Yeah. (laughs) 
And so that is a really crucial plot point yes. that is just missing. Now you're just watching the story about like an asshole kid who lives in a house with some ghosts. Yeah. Right? They also go into an entire long plot line, many scenes where Flora is so scared to leave the property that she starts crying. Flora's the, do- the, the little, little girl. Yeah. The little girl. She's so scared to leave the property that she literally starts bawling anytime it's brought up or when um, the governess, Mackenzie Davis, tries to take her away. I thought they were like going down a road where like, Maybe in this version, she was dead. And if she left the property, she would like not exist anymore. She keeps being like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. Well, because it's supposed to be that it's supposed to be that she's possessed by uh, Jessel. Yeah. And Jessel died there. So she doesn't want to leave. Yeah. But Uh, it's. But they don't ever go into that. Yeah. You never see anything. It's it's confounding because you also see Flora. Not Flora. What's the little girl's name? Flora. Oh, Flora. Sorry. You see Flora. Um having tea with Miss Jessel yeah. at one point. Yeah. So I just, I, there's like no rules or consistency consistency mm-hmm. to what the ghost possession and thing is, mm-hmm. right? Is it like, are they entities that they interact with? Are they being possessed by them? What is happening? I almost Maybe wanted like that. Maybe it's like Marianne where it's like, we're like at like 80% upload. Right. And they're not like fully uploaded. I think that's what it is. It's yeah. like they are, they are near to completion of being possessed, but there's still parts of the children left. Yeah. But then like the, the cook, Maid lady, she also says, like, Flora can't leave the property. She doesn't leave. Yeah, she straight up says, like, Flora never leaves the property. And, like, my reaction, as well as anyone, should be, like, you're telling me this seven-year-old child never leaves this estate? Like, yeah. They don't, but, like, Miles can leave. You don't take them to Kmart or anything? Miles was just a boarding school. Yeah, but he's allowed to leave. So those rules are different. It just right. wasn't well, consistent. But then she also saw the parents die. They they say that the parents yeah. die in a car wreck right outside the Which front gate. Which I thought gate. that was going to be more superstitious or supernatural something. Um, yeah. Nothing. Nothing with that. It's, it's just a whole bunch of dangling or like They threads. killed the parents because they were already being possessed or something. I don't know. It, it, right. Nothing fit. Yeah. And then like the whole sort of preoccupation with the grandmother's sewing room. Yep. Why? And they had the mannequin heads that would turn, but like there's only two ghosts here. Why are mannequin heads turning? Yeah. Yeah. So this, this is, th- I'm glad you brought this up because this is a key example of why it's a bad movie, right? Yeah. We're going to talk about the ending in a moment, but what they're trying to go for, especially by introducing the mom in the hospital, is they're trying to suggest is this all happening in her head or is it actually a haunted house, right? Now, to, to get to that, you have to look at the original novella. James, um, sorry. Henry James. Henry James, sorry. He is known for writing ghost stories. He wrote ghost stories in which all of them are ghosts, right? Mm-hmm. So there's nothing to suggest that the turn of the screw is anything but a actual story about a woman in a haunted house, right? Mm-hmm. But this particular story apparently is told in a very vague way that liturgy, uh, liturgy, <laughs> liturgy, liturgy, <laughs> uh, literature scholars uh, and English majors have debated over the years, is this actually the story of a woman losing her mind? Is it all in the governess's head or not, mm-hmm. right? And so it feels like when they were making the turning, they were like, we should explore that, right? What, like, how do, like, is she crazy or isn't she? But they make a really critical flaw, and that is the scene with the mannequin. Yep. Because she moves into her room, and in the room, there is the world's most terrifying mannequin. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know why it exists, right? It's just like... It's it's supposed to be a creation of Flora's grandmother. Yeah, okay. A lifelike statue. One of the only moments of realism is, like, as soon as Mackenzie has the room to herself, she's like, this is fucking creepy. And I was like, okay. You you aren't actually going to sleep with that there. And so fortunately, right next door to her room is the world's scariest sewing room, yeah. right? And she moves the mannequin in there and leaves. And we hold on the mannequin's head for like six hours, yeah. right? And then the head 
turns by itself. Hmm? But she's not in the room. Yeah. So that can't be in her head. So we're not seeing it through the governess's head. No. The filmmaker is telling us this house is haunted. Yeah. She's answering the question right there before the movie's even gotten going. Yep. So, but the rest of the movie continues to insist that it's playing a game with you of is this in her head or not? Yep. And it's just frustrating. And it actually so tries dumb. to end on that note. Yeah. And that's why it doesn't work. Yeah. Because you know it's a haunted house. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but she was crazy the whole time. Yeah. I'm like, it's no, you're both. just a bad filmmaker. Yeah. <laughs> should we get to the ending? Please. Yeah, we, we should. I, I also just want to park on that, talking about the short story, because I think the short story, I read it a long time ago, and I remember it being good. The thing about this is whenever you're adapting something, you have to ask yourself, why now? And I don't think that this quest question was answered by this movie other than that's a movie that people know. I, I want to do this. Like, what are you saying? One, why is it in 1994? Yep. That's random. Yeah. What are you saying about this? You They made it extremely like I see the Me Too influence on it. Right. Mm-hmm. That it's like essentially it's a rape ghost. True. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is like, yeah, it's. Straight up horrible, but it doesn't actually do anything other than expose that, right? It's it's just showing this, right? Like, this is a horrible man. He's a horrible ghost. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever comes of that. And if it's in her head, why isn't there an exploration of why... What's the governess's name? What's Mackenzie Davis's character's name? It's like the one I, I can't I just keep recall. calling her Mackenzie yeah. or the governess. Wait, then we would see some sort of explanation as to why she's having this reaction. Like, it, there's nothing that's set up and paid off in any way other than oh you remember this book there's stuff in here from that book yep and we put some other shit on top of it so when you're adapting something like it my first instinct with the turn of the screw would be really play up that angle of is this happening or isn't it happening and make surround her with other male characters like maybe she has a father that doesn't believe her and make a commentary on the female experience instead it's just like you have this these plastic caricatures that are just fritting around this fucking mausoleum, and it's boring. <laughs> yeah, it's boring. Her name is Kate, by the way. Which oh, I don't know if they do they say that. They, they definitely yeah. do. I think the credits said it. Okay. And like the you know like, I, the little I, girl calls her Kate. Yeah, okay. I, 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 I also, knew we were in trouble when in the opening credits, every single credit was white except for Floria Sigismundi's yeah. name was red. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah. yeah, like it, like you know, usually the director's credit tends to appear on a really cool looking shot, you know. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it, it ends on like, yeah, the mansion, like a big wide shot, mm-hmm. and it says directed by Floria Sigismondi, and it goes red. And I was like, listen, I feel like only one person on this earth chose to do that, yeah, and that was Floria Sigismondi. <laughs> and it speaks to a certain kind of egotistical thing to be like, but I'm the director, and my name should be in a different color. Mm-hmm. And I was like, don't care for that, definitely don't. <laughs> And, and I, I don't mean to, I did say she's a bad filmmaker, but I, I should take that back because I actually haven't seen any of her other stuff. But based on this movie, she made, horror film she, she made a maker. bad movie. I can say that. And I want to point to one, there's one other scene that rubbed me so wrong that I can't stop thinking about it. Early, about halfway through the film, uh, the kids are like, let's play hide and seek, right? Mm-hmm. And it's broad daylight, or as you said, it's like that gray daylight, but it's definitely fucking sun yes. is up, right? Because they're in the living room and it's bright as day. And I'm like, and then the Finn Wolfhard gives her a flashlight and is like, use this to find us. And I'm like, well, but it's broad daylight. Like, what do you need a flashlight for? And then she goes upstairs into the world's darkest hallway, right? I mean, like, 
scary horror movie dark. And she's using the flashlight looking around. And I'm like, okay, I'll buy it. This is a hallway with no windows. So it's just dark as shit, right? But then it cuts to the reverse of her, like the other direction down the hall. And at the end of the hall is a giant fucking window with light spilling in. And when you shoot in that direction, suddenly the hallway is filled with light. (laughs) And I was like, this is just like a lack of attention to detail. Like you should be saying, we can't show that window at the end of the hallway because that will ruin the illusion this is a dark hallway. And it's that kind of direction throughout the movie that just keeps slapping you in the face and being Mm -hmm. like, don't worry, I know it doesn't make sense, but aren't you scared? And I'm like, normally, I'm also not scared. So what are we doing here? (laughs) Why am I here other than I have to watch this movie? Also, the PG-13, I like- That didn't help anything. The minute I see PG-13 on a a fucking horror movie, horror specific, I'm instantly skeptical and usually worried and most likely upset. And you're probably going to be right. And I got to be honest, I know we're going to be probably talking about um, Hansel and Gretel or Gretel and Hansel, whatever. Yeah. Gretel and Hansel soon. And that's PG-13. Oh, is it? And I'm worried as shit about it. I'm really worried. How do they make that PG-13? But they have hair coming out of them Yeah, exactly. Mouth. That's too scary for 13-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. You ever, but you ever get hair caught around like a taste bud? Uh-oh. That's what I'm saying. That's Uh-oh. R-rated Uh-oh. shit. <laughs> Um, I mean, we will see. There have been good PG-13 horror movies. Like what? The only one that comes to mind is like The Ring. Oh, that's PG-13? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's in- a solid PG-13 movie. That's, a, that's very uh, creepy. Insidious. Oh, that's a good movie too. Yeah. And very creepy. Okay, yeah. so it's- But like, there's maybe five to 10 in the history of cinema that are horror and PG-13 and good. It's like yeah. those Venn diagrams, right? It's like to land in the dead center of those three circles is really difficult. Mm-hmm. The turning manages the PG-13 part. (laughs) It's on the other end of the Venn diagram. Yeah, it definitely is PG-13. That's the one thing it is. Let's talk about the ending. Yeah, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Which one? That's a good point. So, Chris, what is the first ending of the turning? So, (laughs) as things are getting crazy, Kate is really beginning to unravel. Her eyes are sunken in. Her hair is frazzled. She's not this, like, well-to-do, put-together young woman that we saw ready to step in and whip these kids into shape. She's coming undone at the seams. She wakes up after, is this after the hand scene? Yeah, it's shortly, she's like sitting on the bed and the, the... the squirming The hand. previous yeah, night like the thing sexually this. assaulted her. You see it in the trailer. Yeah, yeah it's awful. And it goes then on a long time. It does go on a very long time. <laughs> and then Flora comes in and goes, you're scared. I'll sleep with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then she wakes up and the uh, the maid comes in and goes, gives her a, a package that she's already opened. <laughs> and she pulls it out and they're just like psychotic drawings from her mother. Just like charcoal, charcoal black yeah. things with like... I- I can't, even, in them. I can't even call them drawings. They're just like... They're just black pieces it's just, of paper. It's, it, they're white paper that have been that have completely been, shaded yeah. black. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's... That's not a you're not gonna You're not gonna get into art school with that solutions <laughs> package. And then the, the maid says to her, like, whatever's wrong with your mother, I hope it's not genetic. And- <laughs> What the fuck? You inter- inferred that from just looking at the... <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then uh, basically that night, shit hits the fan. The the rape ghost attacks her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maid dies like in the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kate takes the kids and they, they manage to get out. They drive off to safety. Oh, no. Sorry. Match cut. Pull back out on the weird drawing. Yeah. The, the shot. She'd been seeing that in the drawing? Yep. The, the shot of them driving out of the gate and making safety is actually this charcoal drawing of darkness. And it pulls yeah. back out. And Kate Kate's just crazy. Yeah, it's like... Well, the way they showcase just crazy is the most infuriating thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, wait, we're... we're 
the movie ends, but now we go back 10 minutes, right? So uh-huh. we're looking at the black painting. Yeah, so she's sitting at the coffee table again. And and then it, like, it shows a previous scene of her talking to the kids where the first time we saw the scene, she like saw a rape ghost in the mirror, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't you see him in the mirror? But now we see the same scene, but rape ghost isn't there, yeah. right? Yeah, and the, the kid's like crying and it's like, no, I don't see anything. And it's meant it's meant to imply like, oh, she's just crazy right Mm -hmm. except like even in the original version like even if there was a ghost in the mirror it doesn't mean the kids would see it you know what i mean like but but then i i literally just saw this fucking movie and i still can't tell you exactly how it ends because it's vague it's like not even there but basically they so throughout you see super macro close-ups of kate's eyes yes Mm -hmm. and the the segue into the last sequences they show one last close-up of her eye but in her iris or in her pupil you see her bed in the middle of the pool where she met her mother yeah so like that earlier scene when she goes to say goodbye to her mother at the insane asylum we're back there now in the empty pool she's walking towards her mother and then her mother is like crouched over furiously drawing. drawing and her mother turns around and looks at her and screams cut roll credits yeah we don't see who it is i think we're supposed to believe that she tapped her mother and when she turned around it was her Uh, yeah i I guess like is her mother not exist who mother was she her mother her whole time i think it's that her fear her so at one point miles says to her i know what you're afraid of and what she's afraid of is that she's as crazy as her mother yeah so in the same way that her mother gave her a self a portrait, it was actually a self portrait, and that she's crazy, right? Yeah, I that's what I infer like, from it. She's fine up until stupid. a week ago. It feels like rushed homework, you know, yeah. like five minutes for class, you got to finish your essay, and you just scribble some shit. The movie ends like that. It was just like we have to release this tomorrow. Give me an ending. They're like, just put credits there. Put the credits there. Go go go. I'll put it onto a fucking hard drive. You yeah, know? like literally, I we weren't joking. Every every I, Chris, was your theater like this too? everyone just looking around like you said the guy said what the fuck right yeah this kid who is with i guess his parents just literally as the last scene was happening before before like he anticipated like you you talk about the brilliance of youth he just stood up and said fuck this and he (laughs) (laughs) i've seen endings i didn't like i've seen endings that i thought were vague and i don't understand but rarely do i see an ending that kind of is just like a giant fuck you you know and that's what this is it's not an ending it's just the place the film stops and then to make it even a little more frustrating as the credits roll there's like this long one take of like kate's hand running along the wallpaper and and missy that's probably why everyone in your theater stayed and why half of my theater stayed yeah because i was like maybe there's maybe there's more to the story what do you got for me right what do you got for me so like you're just watching her like walk around a room trailing her hand on the wallpaper and then when the song ends it just fades to black and that had no purpose either well Uh, if you stay to the end to the end then you see a whole bunch of shots of the ghost uh, of miss jessel are you serious yeah wait really yeah oh there's shit at the end like but it wasn't like it didn't mean not like after the credits no it's just no just like b-roll that they were like well we shot this oh (laughs) no i stayed and saw that but it's just it's just, and that, no, I was so. Just some, you're just seeing some things, and then it's not. You're not seeing some things after. I mean that. I, I literally, I've never had a movie continue to be confusing through the credits. Yeah. Where you're like, why did they make this choice? <laughs> yeah. Even the yeah, the credits were confusing. <laughs> like it would have been a bad ending if like you just stopped when her and the kids got away. But that's an ending at least. That at least is something. I'd be like, oh, that was fucking stupid, but it's still an ending. Yep. What they did was just not not anything. Yeah. So playing at your theaters right now, go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Is there anything else you guys want to talk about this before we segue? Yeah, one cool thing, the mom, the lady that plays the mom, she, the crazy mom, she's mm-hmm. the fourth member of her family to appear in an adaptation of The Turn of the Screw. No and way. James, yeah. Her grandfather was the uncle in The Innocence, and her aunt was the governess, Jane, the main governess in The Turn of the Screw, and her uncle, her other uncle played the professor in The Turn of the Screw. Oh, that's so the most interesting th- part of the movie. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Wow, the most interesting thing of The Turning was you saying that two days after I saw it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> there's really only one piece of good news like in finishing this is there's no way season two of Haunting of Hill House can be any worse. Oh, yeah, because... Interesting fun fact. Season two of Haunting of Hill House is called The Haunting... Of Blythe Manor. Bly Manor. Bly Manor. And Bly Manor, yeah, is the house in all versions of The Turn of the Screw. Yeah. So it'll be some version of the same story. Yeah. This will be the... the, Season two will be The Turn of the Screw for eight episodes, essentially. And I, I feel like he can do a really good job with it. Yeah. Well... One, I think it's important to note that Mike Flanagan is not directing all these episodes. Oh. Like, I'm, I'm sure he's involved. He'll, okay. He probably is directing the pilot, but do not expect the Mike Flanagan flair oh, for a season two. I want two. that. I know that you want that, but I'm just telling you. But you're not getting that. Yeah. <laughs> I always say, be careful for wanting more of anything, you know? Yeah. yeah. You're like, I love Haunting of Hill House. I can't wait for more Haunting of Hill House. That's why it's great that Marianne got canceled. Yeah. 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 We all know Marianne season two. Marianne season two is not happening. Oh, yeah. Everyone. The Shortly after we released our second Marianne episode, it was announced that, yes, Marianne has been canceled. So if you want to go watch it, you can, but just know that it ends on one of those somewhat vague endings. Yeah, but I'm kind of okay with it. But yeah, it still feels like an ending. It feels like yeah. the story ended. It, it's, yeah, similar to the ending of Rosemary's Baby that you're just like. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I can live with that kind of ending where there's just like a little dangling thread that you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, but definitely doesn't end on a like, oh, no, like. What happened to the witch? Yeah. But anyway, so before we talk about the innocence, I just want to, as always, thank our listeners for listening because we do this for you guys. I mean, we do it for ourselves because it's fun, but (laughs) ultimately without listeners, we have no show. So thank you. And I'm going to ask that you guys take a moment to uh, leave us a rating or review on the platform. Yeah, throw us down some five stars, write something up that super helps and share this. Pretty, oh yeah, please. Pretty please. please, yes. The more people that listen, the uh, well, obviously the the bigger our audience gets, and the more people can discover us. So, look, look if you want please and thank yous, you can listen to Rodney and Missy. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> Pain Piggy, you leave a review. <laughs> yeah, no, Chris is right. I need you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. No, you need to leave a review. <laughs> I've left 20 reviews, Chris. The listeners have to do it now. (laughs) All right. So anyway, uh, thank you for enduring that. Let's let's but seriously do that. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about the innocence from 1961 based on. That's right. The turn of the screw. Yes, you heard it here, folks. (laughs) So in an in an uh, in a previous episode, Missy brought up the innocence. I forget Mm. what we were talking about. Probably the trailer of the week. Oh, that's right. When we did the trailer of the week for For the the turning. turning. And so we thought it'd be fun to pair it with the turning and i gotta tell you this is way better than the turning oh hell yeah like two seconds in you're like oh yeah okay this 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 is is um, this is a really amazing movie the innocence is black and white interestingly it's co-written by truman capote really yep that is Um, a good fact and um it is it is an adaptation of a like a stage play of the turn of the screw Mm -hmm. Which I guess the stage play was called The Innocence as well. I'm not sure why they didn't just call it. I don't get why no one doesn't just use the title. But I know. The Innocence, based on, you know, the movie and what I read, this is way even, even though the turning is very fairly close to the original story, this is even closer. Like, yeah. The Innocence really feels like it is exactly what happens in The Turn of the Screw. The 
like by like the ending oh the ending is exactly the same like i don't think we need to talk too much about the setup because we just did that yeah but i will say that like right off the bat there were major differences that i was like this makes much more sense now Mm -hmm. like because i watched the turning first did we all you've already i watched i had seen the innocence a while ago but i purposely didn't watch the innocence first because i know it would make the turning look way worse in comparison yep. and i wanted to give it a, sh- a chance innocence opens with like an, a scene between the uncle yeah offering the job to the governess right to like go watch my kids because i don't not my kids the kids i've inherited because i don't want them right mm-hmm. oh like an inciting incident yeah and so <laughs> scene one i was like this makes more sense than the turning i get why she's being yeah you needed the- that scene as opposed to just getting an envelope and being like i'm taking a new job uh-huh. right and you actually see her sort of struggle with it and be like i don't know like i've never been a living governess or whatever Whatever. But I'm like, all right, I'm already in. Then she gets to the house, and guess what? The maid, who's this? There's some maid in this one too. She's fucking friendly. She's right? really nice, and she's like, and "Hey, friends. heard you're the new governess. It's so nice to meet you. Let me show you around." I'm like, "That's how it would be when you take yeah. a new job." Also, right? there's multiple people working in this house instead of just like one lady taking care of this ginormous mansion. Yep, I didn't. Under- I-, I thought that too in the turning. I was like, "How? Why are just these three people living in this massive house?" Yeah, you never really see the other people in the innocence. Yeah, but, like like a scene or two. But they definitely talk about how there are groundskeepers and cooks yeah. and other staff. And I was like, that makes sense. Yeah. It doesn't feel like just some empty, rotting house, right? <laughs> Chris, what do you think of The Innocence? I d- didn't watch it. Oh. <laughs> I told you that. Oh, I thought you I thought you were watching a little bit of it. Uh, oh, the yeah. ending was great. Oh, all right. Well, well, Chris didn't watch it. That's fine. No, I've been on assignment. That's true. He's he's working. Well, it was just like the turning, but better and in black and white. Oh. It's beautiful. This I think is the turning one would have been the most... better if it was in black and white. <laughs> it would have been better if they did anything different. Um, I think The Innocence is one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. It's in black and white, but it's like, it's not like boring black and white. It's like, it's, there were like, I don't know. You can see that they were like really paying attention to lighting and stuff and it's just shot in a way that looks like a painting almost in a lot of scenes it feels yeah it feels very atmospheric the there was literally one shot that i i paused and rewound to show my wife because she was like sort of half paying attention and it's the shot where it's like the governess is in the foreground and the maid is in the background and the maid like walks toward camera and the camera rotates and like she's now in the foreground and the maid you know like it's reverses Mm -hmm. their their position i was like that's all like one camera move that was all blocked out Mm -hmm. because back then, right, films were shot differently. So it wasn't all found in the editing, right? They had to actually, it was staged more like a play. So the, the actual thinking about where to move the camera and stuff felt more important. Right. Mm -hmm. But like every single thing in the movie just felt like it was handled better. Right. Feels like there are masters like handling this material. Yeah. In a sense. Again, it's the same fucking plot. Like yeah. there's just the girl at first. And then instead of getting a phone call, she gets like a, like a letter from the boys school. Yeah. Uh, but like the little girl Flora has like in her mind, she's like, Oh, I already know Miles is coming home. And then when you get the letter the next day, it creeps the governess out. Cause she's like, how did you know that? Yeah. Another, another interesting thing that I, I noticed was how horror filmmaking has changed a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, in the turning, the turning, we didn't even talk about this, but is like fucking filled with those terrible jump scares where it's yeah. just like a giant fucking, you know, musical thing. It's like, Burr! 
but the innocence doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. This like there is a part where like a window slams shut, right? But that's what causes the scare, just like it would if you were in the scene. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you were standing there and a window slams shut because of the wind, it would make you jump. Also, the first time she sees the ghost is a lot creepier. She's mm-hmm. like, that, it's the same hide and seek scene, but like this like what did you what you call him, Chris? Instead of serious black goofy gray gray. gray. yeah goofy gray in this one he like he's out on the patio and you see him like kind of get closer and closer to the window but i would notice that like the music isn't swelling yeah right it's just like a quiet moment it's really quiet this whole this whole movie it's just like quiet dread and she's like staring at this guy like who the fuck is that and then he just sort of like backs away and like disappears in the dark Mm -hmm. and you know what the first thing she does is she goes to the maid and she's like, I saw a creepy man outside. Do, who is it? Yeah, right. She's Im- she's immediately externalizing what she's going through. And I was like, that's exactly that makes so much more sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Which leads her. And then the maid is like, well, that's the old groundskeeper. But he died. Right. Yeah. And so the entire course of the movie, she keeps talking about what she saw. She keeps saying, I think there are ghosts. Yeah, right. That we need to tell the uncle. Yep. We need to get the kids out. Uh, I forget why they say we're not going to, the uncle won't care, basically. Just because he doesn't want anything to do with them. Yeah, he, he really just doesn't care. You, he's only in that one scene at the very beginning. Yeah. But Chris, it's just like, I mean, I can tell you about it. Since, yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm having more fun than watching the turning. <laughs> like, you know, everyone likes different things. Missy, you tend to enjoy older films yeah. more than I do. So like, I'm not going to tell you that I really loved The Innocence, right? Like, I don't really want to watch it again. Mm-hmm. But it is a classy movie. You know, like old films, especially pre the 70s before, what, what what would you say was the turning point? Like Easy Rider? Yeah. Right? Like there's still that that kind of acting style that's kind of like a, it's somewhere between film acting and stage performance. Totally. Mm-hmm. And The Innocence has that where it's sort of like every line is delivered with a bit of overemphasis. But it's still, I don't know, it's hard to describe. I don't, I don't care for that type of movie, mm-hmm. but I can appreciate the quality of it. You know what I mean? Yes. It also obviously, like, I have no idea what it was like to be 10 years old and see The Innocence in a movie theater. Like, was it scary as shit? You know? I don't I don't know. Like, when was Psycho? Uh, that was 60-something? 60 60, 62? So it was pretty close. I mean, like, I, I have no idea whether audiences at the time... There was the, a lot of movies like this at the time. Like, The Uninvited. That's another, like, slow black and white ghost movie. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen any ghost movie from the late 50s, early 60s, you, you can picture what The Innocence is like. But classy is the number one word I would use. Yeah, I don't for think it. like I don't think you can argue that this is like bad oh. or not done well. You oh, might not no. like Psycho it. Psycho was nineteen sixty. But... Oh, okay. Oh, so okay. this is, is post Psycho. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. So I mean, I guess I bring it up because Psycho has some violent stuff in it. Definitely. This this innocence didn't really have any violence. I would say, you know. No. Well, I think any outright violence would sort of undermine the entire question of it, right? Like, is this happening or is this not happening? True. Well, yeah, I will say the innocence does a much better job of being like, is this in this woman's head or not? Definitely. Because the only time you see ghosts are when she's seeing them, right? You don't see things moving when she's not in the room. It's not contradicting itself a bunch of times. But she also like starts investigating and much like in the turning and the turn of the screw, she finds out that basically like there were two, there was like the old governess who she's replacing. But again, the main difference is in the turning, they say basically she ran away, right? She like, we don't know what happened to her. It's only later revealed that she like drowned in the lake or whatever. But in the turn of the screw and in the innocence, they're just like, she, she died, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, I forget, did she kill herself or? They don't, I don't think they Either way, she's, she's she, definitely yeah, dead. She's, yeah, they admit that up front. So there isn't this, mis- it's like, she's like, it's, it's made clear that the old the old governess and the groundskeeper were having an affair. Not an affair. They were having a thing. 
and she died or he died first. I think he died first and then she kills herself. It's unclear exactly. Yeah. But she very quickly comes to the realization that these ghosts are trying to possess the children. Yes. And the little boy is exhibiting the behavior of the creepy groundskeeper, mm-hmm. Quint. His name is Quint. And her plan, I, again, I guess this is what happens in the short story as well. Like her plan is essentially like, I'm going to make the girl leave, right? Because if I know if I can get her to leave the grounds it will, the ghost will leave her alone. Yeah. And so the girl ends up having to, like she she leaves, but she basically says, I never want to see you again because she's so angered by it. It's unclear why, but I like the idea that like to save this little girl, the little girl is forever angry at her, right? Mm-hmm. And then she decides, I'm not sure why she doesn't do that for the boy. I know, she... N- n- she basically says, I need him to admit what's happening and that'll drive the ghost out. So it's like two different plans for the two kids, which is a- well, different levels of possession. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. You're right. I mean, uh, it does seem like the boy is way more possessed. Absolutely. He's at like 95% upload. Yeah. The little girl's like 30%. Yeah. Uploaded. But I, I don't, it's unclear, like in a more, I was gonna say in a more modern retelling, but <laughs> I just saw the modern retelling and they didn't do this, but <laughs> there would be a scene where someone finds a book of how to get rid of ghosts. And they would be like, have them reveal the identity of their possessor, right? But she basically just comes up with it and she's like, if I can get the boy to say the name of the person possessing him, that will end it. And she like, there's a scene where she's like screaming at him and she's like, you know, say it. He like admits it. And then you see the ghost like disappear, like it's leaving him. And then the boy dies. The movie just ends with him like holding, with her holding the dead child yeah and it just fucking ends yeah, she's was, like you're free now you're free and i was like well that's fucking grim i know turns out that's exactly how the novella ends mm-hmm. like yeah. that's faithful and i was like at least at, at least i know that there were ghosts right exactly this wasn't in her it head. does answer the question i mean i guess like in written form maybe it comes across like did she strangle him you know like mm-hmm. like i could see how in written form you might wonder uh-huh. whether there was a ghost but in the innocence there is definitely a ghost but many of the other scenes are the same. The boy kisses her in that one. It's super uncomfortable as well. Yeah. And the kid is even like younger in yeah. the innocence. Like mm. he seems like he's like nine or 10 and kisses her on the lips. <laughs> yeah. Again, all the all the kids are good. But it's 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 um it's certainly a, a really excellent example of like a horror film you probably haven't seen. And obviously by now, if you want to watch it, you're watching it. You know, I mean, look, I saw the turning. So when I watched The Innocence, I was like, every single beat, I know it's going to happen yeah. for the most part. It didn't ruin my experience. I think this is a good, like, if you maybe don't like old movies that much or black and white movies, I think this would be a good one to give a chance to because it's so, it's just done so well. And it's so classy, like Rodney said, that this is worth your time to yeah. go back to an older movie. It's even the way, like, little things like the ghosts are handled, you know, like, she's like out by the lake, right? And she like looks across the lake and like way in the distance is this woman in black just sort of like her their dress blowing mm-hmm. and like this is pre cg shit right like it's just a woman in a black dress but the way the sound is and like the music's very quiet yeah you get the feeling sort of like that's what seeing a ghost might be like yeah right and it's like mm-hmm. if you're in this giant ginormous mansion and property all by yourself it's gonna be really quiet and creepy like yeah. it's, it makes you feel more like you're there of the way they're handling it but mm-hmm. in the turning i mean in chris because you did see that one the ghost right like oh they're goofy they're goofy looking right yeah it looks like a bad haunted house 
I I sometimes I sometimes get a little critical of like the way James Wan does ghosts, right? Mm-hmm. Like just, they're just like an actor yeah. with like gray makeup on. Mm-hmm. But now that I've seen the turning, I appreciate that more, right? Uh, like that is better than these like it's like a it, it's like a goofy CG squiggly. It looks like they shot the woman and then shot her again and like overlapped her with herself yeah. to make it blurry. Or something. Yeah. yeah, I don't yeah. know. It just looked dumb. Yeah, it's it's like that double exposure thing. Yeah, that's the, I just yeah. couldn't find the term. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like mixed it, with some CG. Yeah, it, it, it's very goofy. I mean, I think in The Turning, there's the first time that she sees the ghost is when she's putting the little girl to bed and she closes the window and there's just like, it's supposed to be Miss Jessel, but she looks like this hag. Yeah. Just like, ah! yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one of the big jump scares at the beginning yeah. where it's like. Like it looks like CVS witch. Yep. I was thinking how much like scarier that scene would have been without the music jump scare, you know? Right. Like if you just close the window and yeah. you see the reflection just of like. Just let it play on its own. Yeah. But I got to tell you again, like if, if I pulled the window down and there was like a reflection of an old hag, I might, I might stay. Right. I might be like, okay, I, that was a weird thing to see. Right. But you'd react to it. Oh, absolutely. And you to, wouldn't just be like, oh, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely would ask everyone if she they. She didn't even blink. The yeah. very next day it'd be like. Have any of you ever seen like an old hag or any ghostly <laughs> shit, right? Um, instead, it's like everything that happens to her, she's just like, I'm not telling anybody. Like, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that's also part of the evidence that the, the director doesn't have that strong of a grasp of how a horror movie works is because every scene where you're like, oh, we're coming around the hallway or, oh, she's going to look out a window. There's a ghost in every single one. Mm-hmm. So there's never any sort of buildup and anticipation because every single time you are given a scare. So yeah. it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like it's very easy to tell when the scare is coming because it's exactly when you feel like it should be coming. You know, like it's from it's from years of watching horror movies. You can anticipate when the jump scare is coming and it almost always lands exactly where you think it's going to land. Right. Mm-hmm. Which like, w- is it Halloween? I think it was the first one That's where, a movie. where she's like peeking around the bush and you're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. What are you going to see? She doesn't see anything. Exactly. And then she turns around yeah. and it's the, the sheriff is behind her. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, you defied my expectations. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So they were doing that 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, is there anything either anything else either of you would like to say about any of these topics? No. I wish I had seen The Innocence. You still can. You can see it. I would, oh, I can? Yeah, you, you can borrow it if you want. Oh. I have the... It's uh, right here. Yeah. You know, it's unusual that we haven't all seen the thing. Yeah. But this episode is really about the turning and you watch that and that was the important thing. The innocence I, is like Basically a don't see the turning, see the innocence at some point when you're maybe in the daytime um or just when you're not that tired cuz it's slow. You know, if you're definitely one of the one of our listeners and we have listeners who don't really watch horror movies cuz they're scared and like what I wouldn't give to be scared again at a horror yeah. movie. I think The Innocence is a really that'd be a great place to start. Like that is is definitely a ghost story but it's presented much more like a drama. Like mm-hmm. there's maybe th- three parts that might startle you just because there's a loud noise like the window banging but like check it out i think you part part of learning to like horror is to just kind of in like learning the language of horror movies there's rules and beats and yeah yeah it's it's um it's really just in many ways an exercise in tension building you know that's all a horror movie is it's like Mm -hmm. it is slowly making you more and more tense sometimes interrupted with moments of, you know, scares or bloodbath, depending on the movie you're watching, right? Yeah. right. And the innocence or, is like... Or like the regulation through humor, right? Like yeah. you have a big yes. laugh mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, I feel good. And then they really jam Absolutely. you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 
and really that's I think that's what it comes down to is like good horror filmmaking is able to is someone able being able to manage those dials right mm-hmm. like how tense am I gonna make you when do I let a little steam off when do I let you relax yeah, yeah. it's it's like um it's, to me it feels I always think in metaphor it's kind of like a bellows right like for like or like a bagpipe or some sort of like organ that's like breathing you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah, so it's you're like me out dude what oh, <laughs> <laughs> like a bellows when you're feeding a fire yeah, like a bellows like something everyone has in 2020 yes. <laughs> how many fireplaces are in this apartment six Lizzie, you do have a lot of fire that's why you have Don't all tell these people that the secret <laughs> but but uh, something that like you're exhaling a lot of air you're not doing much you're holding it like there's this flow to it you know it's almost musical right it's it's like a the, the most adored instrument the bagpipe uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but but it's like you you're you're there's a lot of activity now oh there's a little bit we're yeah you have to off. be a master to be able to yes. do that though yeah. yeah it's like conducting totally whereas the turning feels like someone just like is squeezing the bagpipe going <laughs> for like 90 minutes <laughs> uh, um, but anyway uh you're welcome everyone for seeing this yeah yeah you owe, you us. owe us yeah <laughs> Thank you for listening. As always, next week, we have an awesome episode. We have a special guest, uh, Richard Shepard, co-writer and director of The Perfection. If you haven't seen The Perfection yet, it's on Netflix. Highly recommend you watch it before you listen to the episode because it, man, it is full of twists. It's amazing. And we did do an episode on that that you can check out. Yep. An earlier episode. Missy, was that your first official episode with us? Yeah, it was. Yeah. The very first time. Yeah, because the other one was a guest. I was a guest. Yeah. Missy's first co-hosting thing was the perfection that's Mm -hmm. i don't know you can find it on the list go back the correct thing to do would be watch the perfection then listen to our episode on the perfection then join us next week for richard get a little homework but you're you're if you're strapped for time watch the perfection while listening to our podcast yeah (laughs) um anyway thanks everyone have a great week and we'll see you next week bye thanks bye. bye Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. If you could uh, like, subscribe, and share this episode, that'd be great. If you want to share your feedback with us, we can be reached at podforsakenpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah!